Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 will be in verses 1 through 21 this morning. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Uh, As you are opening up there, I want to say what a joy it is uh, to be celebrating six years as your pastor here at First Baptist Church of Gadsden. It's actually to the day for my first Sunday, my first sermon as pastor, and so I praise the Lord for that. July 8th is a special day in our lives because not only uh, is it the day I began here at First Baptist, but also our Ford boy turned five years old today. So Ford uh, was born a year to the day after our first Sunday here. You might have heard him trying to tell everybody that today was his fifth birthday. Um, I felt like that was essential for everybody to know, and so now I can tell him I told everybody, so if you see Ford later, if you don't mind, tell him happy birthday. I think it means a lot to him. So thank you all so, so much for the joy and the privilege of letting me serve you for six years. It's a joy to, 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 to be here. I appreciate you very much. Well, if you have your Bibles open, won't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way That as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what He was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I Know the Father, and I laid down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray together. Lord, this morning, would you open our hearts and minds, God, to receive your word. And Father, I pray that we'll be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Time to time, my kids will come in the living room and they'll ask the question they hate to ask the most. Dad, where's mom? And normally the answer to that is she's, she's one room over. Why don't you go look? Or she's taking a shower. She's doing this or she's doing that. She's in the laundry room. She's here. She's there. Why don't you go look? And we've had to institute a rule in our house that you can't yell mom across the house. It's your job to go find her. It's not her job to come find you, you know. So that was my rule, and uh, that was me trying to help out. I don't always help out well, but I feel like that's a pretty good policy. Dad, where's Mom? Every once in a while, though, I'll say she's at the store, or she's gone on a trip, or she's doing this. And it's then that the tears begin to well in their eyes. They say this phrase to me all the time. But who's going to take care of us? <laughs> Something I've learned is that they and I have two different definitions of care. We, I'm saying, who, you're looking at him. Sister, you're looking at who's going to take care of you. Every now and again, Whitney and I will go on a trip together, and they'll ask that same question. We'll say, hey, we're going to so-and-so. And they'll say, man, we can't wait to go there. And we'll say, well, you're not. But who's going to take care of us? Who's going to take care of us? You know, one of our fundamental desires as human beings is a desire to be cared for, to be cared about. It's fundamental to who we are. We want to be cared for. We long to be loved. We want to know that there's someone there to care for us. Some of you may feel may struggle to feel cared for. You may struggle to, to sense that anybody cares about you. For one, it's, it's not macho to be cared for or cared about. Or perhaps you're in a difficult trial and it's just hard to feel like anybody really cares because what you're going through is so intense. Perhaps you've been mistreated and, and treated poorly by those who are supposed to care for you, who are supposed to love you. It may be difficult for some of you within earshot of me this morning to feel cared for, to feel like somebody cares. And some people just, it doesn't matter what you do or how hard you do it, they just don't feel cared for. Here's what I want to press upon you today. Listen to this sentence, it's so beautiful. Jesus cares for you. Jesus cares for you, He cares about you. Jesus is your very present help and your time of need Jesus cares for you he cares about you listen to me Christian listen to me those of you who are not Christians Jesus cares about you Jesus cares for you you've never once in your life eaten a meal you've never once in your life drawn a breath 
You've never once in your life experienced a moment of joy, a moment of peace, a moment of happiness. You've never once in your life experienced something wonderful that wasn't directly from the hands of a benevolent, loving, caring God. God cares for you. Jesus cares for you. Now, if you're struggling with that this morning or you just need a reminder, I want to show you some signs, three signs that Jesus cares for you. And here's what you might want to do. Here in, here in John 10, you may want to put a little bookmark in here and write in the margins or write on your bookmark, hey, three signs Jesus cares for me. And then you can come back one day when you're feeling blue, when you're feeling down, when you feel like nobody cares. And you can come back to this passage and you can read through it and you can be reminded of these Three things that show you Jesus cares. Three signs of the care of Christ. Here's the first. He speaks to his sheep. He speaks to his sheep. Listen to what the Bible says, verses 1 through 6. Truly, truly, amen, amen, Jesus says. I say to you, Jesus just amened himself. He he had one of these low amen congregations, so he just let off with two of them when he had something good to say. Amen, amen. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name. Calls his own sheep by name. Listen to this idea. He calls his sheep by name. Have any of you here ever forgotten someone's name? Now, I'm a Baptist pastor. We never do that. But some of you may have forgotten someone's name at one point or another. Let me ask you this question. Has anyone ever forgotten your name, somebody you knew and somebody you are acquainted with at least. Has anybody ever forgotten your name? That's you guys back here in the choir. Anybody ever forgotten your name before? How's it make you feel? Makes you feel good about yourself, doesn't it? You know, like, man, I'm as special as my mom said I was. This guy just forgot my name, you know? You know, you, you think. Now, the other thing is, a lot of people forget how to spell my name. And I just had to get over that a long time ago. My name's spelled Matt's with one T. For those of you who didn't know that, my parents provided, pr- provided me with a name that prepared me for a long life of being walked on. And so, and so Matt, with one, one T, we, uh, we recognize, though, how important it is to us as human beings to try to remember others' names and to try to hear our name remembered by others. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Some of us may feel forgotten. Some of us may feel forgettable. Some of us may have felt slighted like like the world's just missing out on me. But Jesus knows your name. The one who matters most knows your name. Isn't that a beautiful thought, brothers and sisters? Isn't it just beautiful to stop and think about the fact that Jesus Christ, the Lord of creation, knows your name. He knows you. The Bible says they follow Him. Jesus says they follow Him because they know 
his voice. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And then verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. They follow him because they know his voice. Think about this. You know you have heard the voice of God. Now, what I don't necessarily mean by that is that each and every one of us has had Jesus literally whisper in our ear that each and every one of us has, has heard the voice of God audibly, but each and every one of us, each and every Sunday, opens up our Bibles, at least every Sunday. Worst case scenario, you look at it on, on, your, on your smartphone or on the screen, and you, you take your Bible and you hear the voice of God spoken from the scriptures you you can hear what god has to say you can hear what the lord speaks to you i hope that you're doing that every day or most every day that you're spending time in god's word reading god's word the more you listen to the voice of jesus the more likely you are to know his voice you spend enough time with jesus to know his voice you see, one of the things I worry about in today's church and in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America in 2018 is the lack of discernment. The lack of discernment. It, it troubles me to see some of the voices that people who claim the name of Jesus follow. It troubles me to see false teachers who sell thousands and thousands and thousands of books. It troubles me to see believers chasing after false teachers it it troubles me to see believers listening to preachers who don't preach the gospel and i'm afraid that one of the reasons for our lack of discernment is our lack of time spent with the lord our lack of ability to know and to hear his voice consider this christian some of us think about a quiet time like an obligation don't we Our time with the Lord, we think about it like an obligation. Man, that's one more thing for me to do during the day. One more thing for me to do. I've got all kinds of stuff to do already. I've got to go to work. I've got to care for folks. I've got ailing parents to care for. I've got a house full of kids running buck wild. Anytime I try to, no matter how early I get up, they're going to get up earlier. It doesn't matter. I can't push it back far enough. That's one reason why I think quiet time is kind of a, misnomer i think it's setting a lot of people up for failure it doesn't have to be perfectly quiet to spend time with jesus it's nice to have that but it doesn't have to be but think about this our time spent with the lord is not an obligation it's an opportunity our time with Christ is an opportunity to spend time with the one who cares for you. The one whose opinion matters. You know, we spend so much time in our lives wondering what other people think about us. We get our phones out. Let me check my phone. How many likes did I get today? We'll see, you know. How many likes did I get? Then we start wondering. I wonder why that person didn't like this. Huh. Thought we were friends. Or we see what other people are doing. We see these perfectly constructed lives that people put on social media or wherever else. You know, but we don't see the difficult days. I, I can't remember the last time I Instagrammed one of my kids' temper tantrums. 
right? Check this out, y'all. Look how disobedient my kids are. That's wonderful. You know, Whitney and I do our best not to post negatively about each other after a fight, you know? For y'all's sake. Want to embarrass our people? You, you think about it, though. We don't post the negative things, but then we're sitting around thinking, man, that person's really got it going on. We begin to covet. We begin to covet. And all the while, we spend all this time trying to get approval, trying to hear the voices of people who don't matter, who don't matter. All the while, we say we're too busy to hear the voice of the one who does, our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who, no matter what you bring to Him, He accepts you. He loves you. He cares for you. He knows your name. I love the great modern hymn, Before the Throne of God Above. I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me, my name is graven on his hands. A reference to Isaiah 49. My name is written on his heart. And I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. So long as God is in heaven, he knows your name. In fact, the Bible teaches us your name is graven on his hands. It won't fade away. It won't go away. He knows you. He loves you. Take heart today, sweet sheep. Jesus speaks to you. He speaks to his sheep. But second of all, he protects and provides for his sheep. That's our second point. He protects and provides for his sheep. People didn't understand what Jesus was saying. Verse 6, a big theme in John. People are confused. They don't understand what's going on. So Jesus again begins speaking to them in verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone, if, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And most of you know this verse, verse 10, John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. He is the door, the Bible says. He protects by bringing the sheep in through the door, and he provides as they go in and out of the pasture. So he protects by bringing them into the sheepfold. You know, this is one of the problems I think we've got with the pastoral, the, the shepherding passages in the Bible. Here, here's one problem I think we have. I think our mind goes straight to precious moments. I think where our mind goes straight to. Precious moments, little boy, gigantic eyes, holding a shepherd's crook, frolicking with lambs. We, we, we just don't have a real idea of what shepherds did. So, so whenever we talk about Jesus as a shepherd, we think about it almost entirely in terms of him being sweet. Sweet. Now, there is a sense in which we recognize there's a sweetness to the Lord's care for his sheep. Don't mishear me. I, I, I'm not trying to make this into something that's not. But at the same time, there, there's a sense in which a, a shepherd's a pretty rough dude. 
kind of a first century cowboy without the Marlboros. He's He's leading the sheep, right? He's in dangerous situations. In fact, the Bible's about to introduce this idea of the, she- the shepherd having to keep away wolves. And so when Jesus says, I am the door, so many people, even in Christian circles, see that and they look at that and they think, my goodness, how closed-minded Christianity is. How closed-minded it is for Jesus to say, I am the door. How closed-minded it is for Christians to say, Jesus is the only way. But Jesus is not saying this to be closed-minded. He's saying this because there are dangers outside the door. There are dangers outside the door. He's bringing us in through himself, not to keep us away from other stuff and not because he's trying to keep us from equally valid spiritual paths. He's bringing us in because people outside the gate, people outside the door, he says, are here to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus is protecting us. You see, he, we, when we think about Jesus as a shepherd... I want us to go a little more John Wayne and a little less Precious Moments. A little more protective. He cares for you and he's protecting you. Same thing I I, I want to say to to husbands. When I'm doing premarital counseling, there's a sense in which I want you to be sweet to your wife. There's another sense in which I want you to be willing and able and ready to protect your family. We all recognize that. We all see that. He is the door. And he specifies through bringing them into this sheepfold, into this pen, and he's able to protect them to stand at the door. Only he can enter in because the the hired hand is there to, to hear his voice. Only he can enter through the door. But he protects from the thief. And he comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Think about wicked leaders over the years. Think about wicked leaders even in some of our lifetimes, like an Adolf Hitler. What did Adolf Hitler do but steal and kill and destroy? What do wicked leaders do but steal and kill and destroy? There's still art that the Nazis stole from people that has never been recovered, never been returned to the families it belonged to. Is this not precisely what the devil does as well? You know, he makes us promises. He makes us promises that outside the door, outside the pen, oh, you don't want to go in that pen. Man, it's boring in there. You can't play cards or dance or nothing inside that pen. You know, there's no fun for sheep inside the pen, which is exactly what a wolf would want to say because outside the pen, he's able to steal and kill and destroy. This is not precisely what false teachers do. People who aren't preaching the gospel, they steal and they kill and they destroy. They steal, literally, I think, steal people's money in the name of Jesus. I think they kill people spiritually. I think they destroy the witness of the gospel in the world. Anything but following Christ and his gospel is going to result in stealing, killing, and destroying. But the good shepherd is different. The good shepherd is different. What does Jesus provide? He provides, John 10, 10, abundant life. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
Jesus doesn't come to get from you. He comes to give to you abundant life. And I believe that's today, tomorrow, and forever. As Christians, we ought to be living abundant life. Now, what I don't mean by that is that, this, that, that the gospel is like a pyramid scheme and six or seven weeks from now, the Corvette will be in the driveway. That's not what I mean. I think that's what Jesus means by abundant life. In fact, if all that Jesus meant by abundant life was stuff, isn't it clear that today's modern American assistants of the Pharaoh are able to provide the exact same things? They can do the same miracles. They can give us stuff. No, abundant life is different. It's an ability to face whatever tomorrow holds. It's a joy in whatever circumstances we encounter. That's why we ought not to be sour, angry, dried up Christians. It worries me, guys, that legalism has taken such a foothold in our churches that so many Christians are angry and sour and dried up instead of being joyful, sweet, loving people. Jesus isn't depriving you. He's providing for you. Jesus isn't cutting you off from good things. He's protecting you from bad things. Enter through the door. And that's our final point. He lays down his life for his sheep. He lays down his life for his sheep. He is the good shepherd. Listen to what the Bible says. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who doesn't own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I, John 10, 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Hired hand runs away. When the wolf shows up, he says, minimum wage ain't enough to deal with wolves. So he runs away. But the good shepherd doesn't. In fact, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Ironically, he defeats the wolf by laying down his life. Do you see the way that Jesus doesn't say, and the good shepherd walks up and knocks the wolf's teeth out of his mouth, and the wolf runs off, with his lupine tail between his legs. Jesus is able to do that. He can call down armies of angels, right? To defend himself. No, 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 no. When, when the, the wolf, when the dragon comes for the Lord's people, when he comes seeking whom he may devour, Jesus doesn't just whoop him like he can. Instead, he lays down his life. He allows himself to be killed. Willingly, he lays his life down. And he defeats the wolf by laying down his life. But on top of that, Jesus tells us there are sheep outside this fold. Verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd I, I believe this is talking about the people who don't believe in Jesus yet there's a lot of questions among commentators I think the simplest answer is probably the truest answer this is people that don't know Jesus yet more, more Jewish people Gentile people primarily 
who simply don't know Christ yet. I, I ask this question, what are we doing as those for whom the good shepherd laid down his life? What are we doing? What are we doing for those other sheep that are in the jaws of the devil even now? What are we doing so that they may hear his voice? Oh, they'll know it when they hear it, Jesus says. And some of you even today may not be a believer at all. Do you hear his voice this morning? Do you hear him calling to you? You see, this is the good shepherd who not only laid down his life, but took it back up again, the Bible says in the remaining verses. He, he not only laid down his life, he had the authority to take his life up Again, did you know today you can have resurrection hope? You may feel uncared for. You may feel like you are on the margins of society. You may feel like there's that one group that you wish you could be a part of, but they just don't see you the way they ought to see you. You may feel distant and tired and uncared for and unloved. Did you know that Jesus laid down his life for you? And the Bible says when you put your faith in him that you died with him. But did you know that he had the power take up his life again he raised from the dead and did you know did you know that when he raised from the dead you by faith raised with him you're given a new life a new name the bible says resurrection hope you know there's a sense in which each and every one of us are fearful and worried we're anxious as we look around us, as we look at our lives, as we see the things around us, there's a sense in which every single one of us is asking the question, who is going to take care of us? Who's going to take care of us? Reach out by faith to put your hand in the hand of the Good Shepherd. He cares for you. He loves you. The door to the sheepfold is open today. Would you enter by the door? The good shepherd laid down his life for you. He picked it back up for you. The door is open. Would you enter today? I want to offer an invitation this morning. It's a simple invitation to you. It's for three different kinds of people. First of all, most importantly, you may not be a believer today. You may not have ever trusted in Jesus for the first time. I want to offer to you the opportunity today to trust Christ for the first time. Do you hear His voice? Would you respond to it today? If you'll turn from your sins and repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus Christ, I believe His arms are open wide and He will save you today second of all you may be a believer you may say pastor i've just felt like nobody cares for me but i just need some time to talk and to pray through living out these truths preaching the gospel to myself every day this altar is open to you you can come to me and i'll talk with you and pray with you as well finally you may be looking for a church home I'd love to talk to you about what it means for you to be a member here at first baptist church after this prayer i want to invite you to come let's pray together Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you today for this opportunity we have to serve you and to hear from your word. God, would you, would you move in hearts today? It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Amen.